Hello, I'm David Osman. On behalf of the Independent Research Forum, welcome to this IRF podcast. With me today is Zek Ozturk, the founder of the IRES Independent Research and Advisory Firm. Our title for this podcast, Turkey, an Emerging Market Opportunity. The Independent Research Forum promotes a wide range of high-quality independent research providers from around the world, both micro and macro. Some are stock-specific, some are sector-specific, some country-specific, many are global, and all are investment-related. In a world that has become more divided between East and West, Turkey's position at the crossroads of Europe and Asia gives it an even greater importance in both economic and geopolitical terms. With a population of over 84 million people and a GDP per capita of over 8,000 US dollars, Turkey has enormous emerging market potential. The next presidential election is due to take place in June 2023. What does the future hold for Turkish politics, the economy and the financial markets? To answer these questions and more, I'm very pleased that we are joined today by Zek Ozturk of IRES. Before he established IRES in 2013, Zek Ozturk worked as an executive vice president at Garanti Bank Turkey, responsible for international business development. He also served as a board member at Garanti Bank Romania, at Garanti Asset Management and at Garanti Securities between 2006 and 2013. Prior to that, Zek was first vice president at Merrill Lynch in London as a financial analyst for six years. While he was at Merrill Lynch, he received a number of prestigious awards from institutional investors and Extel for five consecutive years as the best Turkey and financial research analyst. He also worked as a research analyst in various other local and international brokerage firms during his finance and banking career since 1995. During his career, Zex mainly covered the banking sector in Turkey, in the Czech Republic, Egypt, Israel and Russia. He has also covered the cement, conglomerate, petrochemical, refining and retail sectors. Zek holds two degrees from Istanbul Technical University, a BSc in Naval Architecture and an MSc in Robotics and Automatic Control Systems. He also has a master's degree in business administration from Edinburgh University. IRIS provides thematic research and investment ideas with a combination of in-depth political, macroeconomic, sector and stock analysis. The primary focus of IRES is the Turkish market. However, the firm also provides broad strategies for the emerging markets as well as investment assessments on client-specific areas of interest on an exclusive basis. Zek, welcome. Let's start with a brief introduction to the service that IRES Independent Financial Research Advisory provides to your clients. Hi, David. First of all, thanks for this long introduction. Mine is going to be relatively short. IRES was established, as you said, 2013 and currently serves local and international investors who are interested in Turkish macro politics and in particular the banking sector. Currently, my focus is uh, towards serving local corporates. Given the fact that in the last almost a decade, Turkey's positioning in the uh, capital markets has unfortunately 
came down, uh, foreign investors' position has uh, shrunk uh, significantly. Therefore, uh, we shifted our focus towards serving the local corporates as well, along with uh, some international investors. So this is briefly what we do. But in terms of the structure and formatting of our services is that it is more of a tailor-made service rather than a periodical publications of research like the weeklies, monthlies, and so on and so forth. So we try to focus on the specific needs of our customers. Uh, in the cases of, let's say, the local corporates, it's mostly treasury operations, how to cope with this uh, extreme volatility of currency and inflation. In the case of the institutional investors, foreign institutional investors, it is usually focusing on the stock market and the banking sector performance going forward. So this is in a nutshell what we do. Thanks for this opportunity as well. How do you see domestic politics developing in Turkey in the run-up to the presidential election next summer? Well, I guess uh, this is probably the most important question in respect to Turkey. If Turkey becomes a secular uh, opportunity for investors or a volatile market as it has been. First of all, elections next year will be the first one after five years of ruling under the presidential system. So in this respect, if Erdogan is re-elected once again, despite all the volatility and turbulence, it would be a solid endorsement of the system itself, in my view. So if we have now the two political camps, the President Erdogan's Justice and Development Party, the AKP, and his supporter, Nationalist Movement Party, the MHP. On the opposition side, there are mainly three parties, the Republicans' People's Party, the CHP, this is the center-left, E-Party, uh, or in English, Good Party, this is center-right, and they defected from the Nationalist Movement Party, led by Mrs. Uh, Meral Akşener. And uh, thirdly, the People's Democratic Party, of which the majority of its supporters are of uh, Kurdish ethnicity. So, plus some smaller parties such as Ali Babajan's Deva and Mr. Davutoglu's Future Party with around 2% each or less support in the surveys. Ruling bloc is tightly intact. However, opposition bloc has one major fault line, which is the People's Democratic Party. Both HCHP and E-Party shy away from being seen in a full coalition with the HDP. Uh, E-Party is coming from nationalist roots. Therefore, they are in particular trying to avoid being seen in the same ranks with the HDP, this Kurdish-supported HDP. So the question for the opposition bloc, who do you put against Erdogan in the presidential race? There are three names receive popularity. Ankara Mayor Mr. Masur Yavash, Istanbul Mayor Mr. Ekrem Imamoğlu, those two are also from uh, the Republican's People's Party. Uh, and the main opposition party leader, obviously, Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu. So there is no certainty yet who is going to be the candidate of the opposition. Almost all surveys that I can gather suggest that the presidency will be determined in the second round and no one can secure 50% of the votes in the first round. And in the second round, Erdogan's chances varies depending on whom he is competing with. Based on the surveys, 
Ankara Mayor Mansur Yavaş appears he could win against Erdoğan. İmamoğlu, the Istanbul mayor, has a chance to win as well, but not a sure bet. The CHP leader Kılıçdaroğlu seems to be the weakest contender against Erdoğan. Bottom line, it will be a challenging election for Erdoğan. And nevertheless, he still has a chance and not a small one. A major mistake by the opposition bloc or any cracks in the ranks might as well give Erdogan another round of presidency. So coming six months will be extremely critical in my view. On the parliamentary election side, surveys suggest that the AKP-MHP bloc would struggle securing a majority compared to the opposition. There is less ambiguity in that front, given the evolution of the surveys. I hope this answers your question, David. Yes, indeed. The international support for the ruling AKP alliance has shifted back and forth in the last 10 years, particularly with respect to Russia and the USA. Do you foresee any significant changes in Turkey's geopolitical relations in 2023? Uh, not really. Uh, Turkey initially carved a niche in a way neutral position right after the Ukraine-Russia war began, then slowly engaged with Russia as a broker for the grain delivery for the rest of the world and gained some political credibility there. Now Russia and Turkey are in talks of establishing a gas hub in Turkey, of course for mainly Russian gas. In addition, there was a significant FX inflow to Turkey for Russia from Russia to Russian-owned Akkuyu nuclear power plant, which helped the central bank bolster its FX reserves. This positioning helps the CBR2 to mitigate any pressure on the currency. If I give another example, Turkish banks were accepting Russian credit cards issued under Russian payment system, MIR, until September 2022, or until the US threatened international banks servicing MIR cards with secondary sanctions. I think Erdogan will try to keep the US, Europe and Russia in a non-confrontational zone. The only exception has been routine frictions with Greece, but I don't think that would alter the course, in my view. Having said that, Russia, on the other hand, would do almost everything to appear in full alliance with Turkey in an effort to incite both the US and Europe. And just because of that, Putin would be keen to pull Erdogan fully on his side. Neither the US nor Europe would squeeze Turkey into a hardline positioning, in my view. So it would be especially hard for Europe questioning Turkey before addressing Hungary, for example. So until the elections, I don't see any major shifts in Turkey's alignment in geopolitical balances in respect to its positioning with the US, Europe and Russia. Turning to the economy, Turkey is suffering another bout of very high inflation. How did it get here? And what does this mean for the outlook for Turkey's economy in the years ahead? Well, pretty much all countries have been suffering from high inflation at the moment, David. However, the path to Turkey's inflation problem was laid down much earlier in my view. That's why we have a significantly higher inflation reading compared to our peers. For example, in October, consumer inflation reached 86% annually and domestic producer inflation was 158%. Root causes are in the policy choices of the administration. Since 
2018, and especially since the AKP lost Istanbul and Ankara municipal elections in 2019, uh, the administration has been trying to maintain high level of growth by using every possible measures. Therefore, there has been they have been keeping the monetary policy extremely loose as long as possible. In this respect, there has been a constant haggle between the market, which operates under orthodox economic theory, and unorthodox policies followed by the economy management. As a reflection of this, the, you can look at the changes in the central bank governors, which it, it reflects this haggle in my view. In 2018, Turkish lira was under pressure and Governor Çetinkaya hiked rates and eased the pressure on currency and inflation expectations. He was then fired in mid-2019, soon after AKP lost key municipalities, and the easing cycle began with Murat Uysal. In 2020, state banks began lending very cheaply in response to COVID-19 epidemic, and the banking sector regulator forced private banks to, as well, to open up credit lines along with the state banks. The most part of 2020 passed with the economy management trying to achieve the impossible trinity, i.e. they tried to control both the level of FX rate and the interest rates under free capital movement. By the end of October 2020, the CBRT's net foreign assets fell from like $26 billion down to minus $53 billion. Currency got out of control once again, governor was fired, minister resigned, and the new economy management reverted back to orthodox policies with governor Naji Abal. This orthodoxy lasted only for four months. He was then replaced by the current governor, Kavcioğlu. Rate cuts began again last year, but this time the currency was let go. The result was very high inflation, which was later amplified by global commodity inflation. So just to highlight, something has also changed during these periods, which we think has an impact on the future outlook. Foreign investors' exposure fell dramatically in key asset classes. For example, portion of foreign investors in stock market fell from 65% back in 2017 down to 32%. Share in domestic debt stock fell from $31 billion down to $2 billion. And share in swap funding, excluding the central banks, fell from $48 billion down to almost zero. So coming back to what happens to the economy under high inflation question, well, actually, it is no secret. It reminds me the times in the 1990s when I began my career in uh, finance as an equity analyst. In 1995, as you said, banking system was suffering from lack of savings in local currency, loan penetration was as low as mid-teens, and the economy was highly dollarized. Investments were scarce, and the lack of visibility for the future was the main dominant problem. Now, if you exclude FX product protected deposits, which is FX linked in a way, local currency deposits to GDP ratio is already as low as 20%, down from 30% back in 2021. Loan penetration is being getting squeezed to shorter end of the yield curve, such as credit cards, short-term consumer loans, 
and it would be hard for banks to finance long-term investments or mortgages given lack of long-term TL funding in the system. However, the most important impact, in my view, would be on wage orders, as they would be struggling with eroding real income. What would happen if inflation is not curbed? Well, if the past high inflation environment is any guide, investments, households' real income would suffer. Also, banking system financial penetration would gradually diminish relative to the nominal GDP. Eventually, households' disposable income would suffer, and therefore, we expect much slower growth rate in 2023. Uh, For example, this year growth, our expectation is about uh, 5.7% for full year, and for next year, we look for uh, 3.5%. So, bottom line is, high inflation, especially this level of inflation, is not good in terms of key economic developments, David. So... Given the scale of Turkey's inflation and the current account deficit, how do you see the Turkish lira performing in the next 12 to 18 months? Well, it's a million-dollar question, right? Uh, Okay. I guess what it should be and what it could be are two different things, and we need to focus on what it could be this time around rather than what it should be. Uh, In order to answer that, uh, I rather focus on the FX market players in, in Turkish market. First of all, foreign investors. And the second is local corporates that can create demand for FX or vice versa. And local individual depositors. And on the supply side, finally, the central bank. So foreign investors are pretty much out in most of the asset classes that uh, was directly affecting the FX rate in the past. No swap funding, almost no local currency bond holdings, and lowest share in equities in the last two decades, and also limited access to Turkish Tira funding if they wanted to short it. So in terms of certain asset classes, foreigners cannot actually determine the FX rate. Eurobonds, and direct FX lending to banks and corporates are the only segment that foreign investors would affect the liquidity of FX and therefore the FX rate. The second is the local corporates. And the demand for FX from the local corporates mainly come from current account financing. And this year so far, it has been financed mostly by net errors and omissions items and other deposit flows. So. The current account, although it is high uh, in terms of deficit, the financing was relatively easy and opaque. Speculative FX positioning by the corporates are also penalized via cutting those companies from the loan market. Therefore, the uh, macroprudential measures that has been introduced to the banking system is also preventing any kind of major demand coming from the local corporates, especially for speculative purposes. So when it comes to the demand from local individuals, this has been directed to FX protected Lira deposit scheme. There are $79 billion worth of FX protected TL deposits by the end of October. At the beginning of the year, this was zero. So this scheme removes the pressure on currency that could come from individuals. The administration is making the scheme more attractive each time by extending tax breaks and etc. So unless a reversal in 
net errors and omissions financing of the current account deficit, or a risk perception spooking individuals, the level of currency can be more or less controlled by the CBRT. The CBRT is now the biggest uh, market maker in the FX market, in my view. Its gross FX assets stood at $117 billion, so it can burn some more if they need to. However, high inflation is a constant pressure on the currency, in my view, and that would soon hurt exporters' performance. So there is another element that taking the elections into the account, I believe that the government would do anything to avoid a major currency weakness a few months ahead of the election. And the best time to take some pressure off from accumulating inflation would be until the end of this year. So overall, I think the lira would appreciate in real terms until mid-2023. Post-elections, currency can go either way. The risk being on the depreciation side, in my view. It is a hard question, David, because effectively this is uh, where everything boils down to, especially in terms of managing your FX positions if you were a corporate or an investor in Turkey. So where do you see the main investment opportunities in the Turkish financial markets, particularly the stock market? Good question. Uh, But before answering this, I need to highlight a disclaimer that anything I mention in this podcast is not an investment recommendation or an advice to buy or sell any securities or any assets. So coming back to your question, I think the best place appears to be stock market. Uh, That basically gives you a protection against both inflation and ultimately if there is any weakness in currency, they are in a position to reflect that in their prices. However, there is an important issue that the investors should be aware of, and this has been usually overlooked. High inflation at this level, like 80%, 50%, these levels of high inflation creates a massive distortion on company financials, unless you have an inflation accounting performed on those financials. For example, Some companies might report record profits nominally, but in reality, they might be making even losses under inflation accounting. Or similarly, some companies might be having losses in nominal accounting, but doing pretty well if adjusted by inflation. So I would really focus on this specific issue when investing in stock market. Zek, thank you for this very interesting insight into the service that is provided by IRS Independent Research and Advisory. With more time, it would be interesting to discuss in greater detail your views on the main sectors of the Turkish economy and stock market. It would also be interesting to hear more about your thoughts on the other emerging markets that you know so well. The Independent Research Forum can provide details of how to subscribe to the IRES service. More information is available on request from the Independent Research Forum. Many thanks for listening to this IRF podcast with Zek Ozturk, the founder of IRES Independent Research and Advisory. Mm-hmm.